0: Programs and welcome to this week's episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins, and I'm Derek Diamond. And how have you been this week, sir? Doing good. Uh, it's been a very busy
1: week, gearing up for baseball season. And uh, this past Saturday, I had the pleasure of taking my first ever acting class Sweet. with someone who you've come to know quite well, taught by Mr. Uh, Jeremy London. It was here. Class. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I said it's a
0: very fun class.
1: Yes, it is. He's a a really, really good teacher. And, you know, coming from someone who has never really acted before, he made it uh, very easy to digest. And the way he explained, you know, the lessons he was teaching made it very digestible and even kind of relatable. Yeah. In a way, because I'm I'm much more of a visual learner than I am an oral learner. And the way he would explain things actually kind of helped me come up with a visual way of, yeah. you know, memorizing lines and things like that. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I can't wait to do more.
0: Yeah, he does a a creative visualization technique that um, works wonders. Like, I, I've always been good at, um, you know, being a, from a musician background, I was always good at, uh, you know, remembering how to play songs and all that kind of stuff. Um, which h- kind of helped uh, to go into the acting class, but I've never been one to like learn dialogue or anything like that or have to memorize dialogue. And it was always felt like such an arduous task. But once you kind of learn his techniques, it becomes so much simpler. And, um, you know, I'd, after doing it the last. Uh, two years almost that I've been in the class. Like I can remember huge monologues in minutes, literally like the way he teaches you to remember this stuff. And you know, what he calls creative visualization is just beyond anything I've ever learned before, as far as being able to memorize large chunks of, you know, stuff that you have to remember. It even helps in my daily life too. Like I remember things better now. Absolutely. And, He's talking about
1: possibly doing a class here in Pensacola once a month, which I think would be great because, you know, like I said, I I loved it. I want to do more. Um, Heck, I might even come out
0: to to your neck of the woods and do his weekly class sometimes. That'd be great. And if you are in the Pensacola area, uh, keep an eye out um, on Facebook. Go to London Arts Acting Studio and he will let you know when he's going to be in your area. And I highly recommend the class if you get to go.
1: Yes. Yeah, it was
0: very, very good. But I had a pretty interesting week this week. Uh, my sister-in-law got married, had a bunch of friends and family come into town, so I literally have not stopped since Wednesday night. And I got to tell you, I'm not looking forward to this week at work because I am exhausted.
1: Yeah, I I totally feel you on that. We're actually, um, we're, let's see... Let me look over at my calendar. Yeah, Thursday will be two weeks away from from the start of it. So, uh, I, I I can relate to you there. It's it, you can tell the the stress level is rising. <laughs> of course. But yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully you'll be able to
0: get some downtime though. I hope so, man. <laughs> like next weekend, I've got uh, I'm actually going to be a guest on the current Geek Podcast on Friday evening. If you want to check that out, it's uh, go to frogpants.com and it's called it's a, a podcast by Scott Johnson called Current Geek," and it's one of the one of my favorite podcasts, and uh, this will be my second appearance on it. and uh, then Saturday, I have a close friend who has a birthday party on Saturday, so i'm pre- pretty much not going to get any rest until next Sunday. You should just
1: rest all
0: day. Sunday, just
1: have the laziest
0: day possible. I'm not going to do anything all day long. I'm just going to veg out in front of the TV and just turn my brain off. Oh, absolutely. You should. But uh, let's go ahead and move into our news for this week. This is on RetroGamer.net. Capcom announces the Disney Afternoon Collection, and let me tell you, I cannot wait for this to come out. Uh, It says, way back in the NES era, Capcom used to be known for pushing out high-quality licensed Disney platform games at a terrifying rate, and now six of them are being brought back as part of the Disney Afternoon Collection. Uh, It will include DuckTales, DuckTales 2, Chippendales Rescue Rangers Part 1 and 2, Tailspin, and Darkwing Duck. Uh, The collection is set to offer a number of enhancements, including a variety of visual filters for an authentic retro look, as well as brand new Boss Rush and Time Attack modes, sure to be popular with streamers and those who mastered the original 8-bit releases. The package is scheduled to launch on April 18th as a digital release on PS4, Xbox One, and PC on Steam. Dude... This is probably the most exciting news that I've read in a while. Like I saw this and just went through the roof with excitement.
1: Just looking at the logo or the thumbnail that they posted, it looks like, you know, the thumbnail you'd see at the end of a commercial advertising like the Disney cartoon afternoon lineup. Yeah. It looks so 90s.
0: Oh, it and screams I love it. 90s, dude. It is like I feel like a kid
1: again. I love it. I, I I can't wait for this. You know, I, I've I, we reviewed Ducktales a couple of weeks ago, um, I mentioned I played the remastered version when they released it for the 360. But I, I'm excited to play it again on this collection. And I didn't even know there was a Darkwing Duck game.
0: Oh yeah, there was. It's actually one of the harder of the the Disney NES games. Probably the hardest one, uh, other than Ducktales, the original. Um, I just remember Darkwing Duck being so hard that I never actually bought the game because I don't think I ever made it through the first level. Wow. That's saying a lot. This is coming out on PS4, and uh, you know, if you've listened to this episode, any number of episodes, I complain about the fact that there's nothing on the PS4 that I want to play. It's basically a glorified Netflix machine at this point. And um, finally, something that I'm actually going to buy and play on it. And it's funny because most of the games I have for it are retro games. Like, I'm going to get this, and then I have Bro Force, which is a, a complete throwback to the SNES era. And I can't wait for this to come out because I will be buying this as soon as it's released.
1: Oh, for sure. And I'll be doing the same. As far as, this is a little off topic, but as great as the DuckTales theme song is, like I would put it as the number one when it comes to like Disney show themes.
0: Oh, absolutely, Darkwing
1: Darkwing Duck is a close second though.
0: Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, let's rank them. So obviously, number one would be Ducktales. Number yes. two would be Darkwing Duck. Number th- what would your number three be? Would it be? Well, I don't know. Actually, I think Tailspin might take the second spot for me.
1: Tailspin is really good. I'd probably give Tailspin the bronze
0: at number three. Yeah. I'd go Ducktales, Darkwing, then Tailspin. See, I would have to flip those for myself. I would have to go Ducktales, Tailspin, Darkwing, Duck, and then uh, Chippendale's Rescue Ranger bringing up the rear because that that was definitely the weakest of the uh, the, the the those cartoons, the theme songs.
1: Yeah, even the the show itself, you know, like Disney had so many good cartoons. And I know a lot of people who love Rescue Rangers. Maybe it was because I just watched so many other shows that it was one that just kind of passed me by. Because, you know, I love DuckTales. DuckTales is not just a great cartoon. It's a great show. It has some of the best writing that that you'll see in any type of show. And it still holds up to this day.
0: Yeah, I mean, DuckTales is still the the gold standard um, of – cartoons and just television shows in general that are geared towards kids, because not only can kids enjoy kids enjoy it, but, you know, adults enjoy it, enjoyed it as well at the time. I mean, I was already, you know, starting to get into my teenage years when DuckTales premiered and I still loved it. You know, uh, it, it's even to this day, I'm still a huge DuckTales fan. I can't wait for the new one to come out. And you're right. The writing for it, I mean, that that cartoon was lightning in a bottle.
1: hmm No, I totally agree. The If anybody hasn't seen it, definitely look up the video of the new cast for DuckTales singing the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> as far as the new show, all I'll say, David Tennant as Scrooge McDuck. That's all you need to know.
0: Yeah, you can't get any better than that.
1: He's going to be so good. I can't wait for it. But no, I'm I'm really excited for this collection. I, I'm I feel like there's not a ton of retro stuff like this on like the PlayStation or the Xbox. So the fact that they're releasing something like this, I think is really good because it, it appeals to people, you know, like you who might have a PlayStation 4 but don't really play it because it doesn't have any of the classic stuff. Yeah. Well, now that it does, it gives you something to play.
0: Well, it transcends, uh, you know, their their time. I mean, even kids today can love those cartoons and love those video games, you know, because they're so timeless. And they still hold up to this day. I mean, not not only the video games, but the cartoons as well. And it just goes to show the, the endurance of DuckTales that there's a new show coming out and they're releasing all this old stuff. You know, they... Uh, they released, they did the DuckTales re release a few years back. And, you know, now they're releasing the original. I mean, these games and cartoons just stand the test of time like nothing else, you know? It's fantastic and I love it.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I, like you said,
0: I'm definitely going to be getting this when it comes out. But let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. <laughs> On March 22nd of 1996, Resident Evil was released by Capcom for the PS1. It is considered to have invented the term survival horror. I love Resident Evil. I, I still say that Resident Evil 2 is still one of my favorite games of all time, but Resident Evil is still uh, is still up there as a classic because it started the whole genre of survival horror.
1: And really, one of the most iconic gaming franchises of all time, oh absolutely. if you really think about it,
0: yeah, I've man. never <laughs> been
1: a huge Resident Evil fan, but i I respect its long standing in the in the gaming industry. You know it's now over twenty years old, which is crazy to think. but you know i I give it all the credit in the world Resident Evil is when you think of gaming franchises to me that's one of the first you know you have your Mario, you have Halo, you have Sonic. Resident Evil to me is
0: one of the first franchises that people think of when you mention video game. Well, not yeah, I mean not only is it a a, a huge franchise for video games. I mean, what? They just released part 7. I think 6 or 7. Um And, not only that, but a movie franchise. I mean, they've done, what, like eight, nine movies at this point with Mila Jovovich? I don't don't even know how they know which one's what, because we actually looked on IMDb to try to figure out which one was which a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, it's, um, the video game to film, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Video games being adapted into film has not exactly gone over that well but with resident evil i mean you got to give it credit they've made several movies that yeah. like you said i have no idea how many movies they've made but god you got to give them credit
0: i mean they must be doing well they keep pumping them out like every year or two so i think i stopped watching after like the fourth one cuz they just lost me but i mean they're still going so there's something there
1: yeah i i saw 1 and 2 and i don't think i ever finished the third one And that was the last one I saw.
0: I don't even know what which ones which. They didn't number them, so they all just have like a name, like Resident Evil uh, and Resident Evil Nemesis, Resident Evil this and that. And I'm like, I don't know which one's which. That seems to be a
1: a newer thing now with movies. They don't want to put a number after it. Like it should be, you know, Resident Evil three, whatever. But with a lot of franchises now, they put. You know, just the title of the franchise and then the movie. Because even now with Star Wars, they're shying away with using the episode numbers, except for the opening crawl. Yeah. Because now, like a lot of people just refer to, you know, episode four as Star Wars, A New Hope. Episode five is Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. A lot of the marketing for Force Awakens, you never really saw episode seven.
0: See that's so weird to me. How are you supposed to know which one's which, especially if you're new to a franchise? Like the it's like the the Fast and Furious franchise. I don't know which one's which. I don't know which ones I'm supposed to watch in what order. I've you know I only watched like the first two, and I don't care. But if I ever did get a wild hair up my ass to watch the Fast and Furious movies one day, it's like where do you even start?
1: Yeah, it it doesn't make any sense to me. Who knows? <laughs> Also on March 22nd, the game, and I'm hopefully pronouncing this name correctly, Panzer Dragoon Two Zwei was released for the Sega Saturn by Team Andromeda and was considered to be one of the best games on the Sega Saturn and one of the best on-rail shooters of all time. I'll be perfectly honest, I've never heard of this game before.
0: Uh, The the only time I ever played this was when they had demos of the uh, Sega Saturn setup in Toys R Us. And this was one of the games that they actually had that you could play, um, and it seemed like a fun game. But you know, I never really was impressed enough to actually buy a Saturn. But you know, if people like it, people like it. Yeah the the box art looks kind of cool. It's got a it's got a dragon on it. Yeah, you like you ride on the back of this huge dragon, and it's you know it's like I said, it's an on rail shooter. So you just kind of just go through these levels. Uh, and you can kind of move around the the screen, but you still kind of uh, s- still shoot like I'm not quite sure remember how exactly the, the controls worked. But, you know, it was just one of those kind of I'm trying to think of another game that it would would that it was like. And I don't I can't really think of anything right now, but it, it's kind of an interesting game. But like I said, it it was never enough to actually make me buy a Saturn. So it just kind of fell by the wayside for me. Interesting. On March 29th of 1996, Dragon Ball Z Hyper Dimension was released by Bandai for the SNES, uh, the last Super Famicom game in the Dragon Ball Z franchise.
1: I never played the Super Nintendo Dragon Ball Z games. I've only played, I think, one or two just DBZ games, period. I've played the Budokai games uh, for the Wii, and those were pretty fun. You know, those were good you know, multiplayer party-type games where you get a couple of friends over and you just destroy your environment and destroy each (laughs) other just like they do in the show.
0: And I'm not quite sure that this is right. I don't know if this was released on the SNES because it says Japan. Uh, And then in the, the description it says for the last Super Famicom game, which is what the SNES was in Japan. So this might not have even been an American release.
1: Yeah, normally if it has... A like a specific continent next to the system that normally means that it was exclusive to that that continent because Japan gets a lot of exclusive games because I know they have quite a few Zelda like party games that are exclusive
0: to Japan so this yeah. sounds like that's what that is possibly I I didn't even know Dragon Ball Z went back that far
1: mm-hmm yeah, Dragon Ball Z the show was actually
0: it was formed in the in the eighties. Wow. I didn't I had no clue. I thought it was like that w I thought that was like a two thousands thing, like early two thousands.
1: No, the Dragon Ball Z, I think was like eighty seven or eighty-eight. Wow. With Dragon Ball being a couple of years before that. But I, I will uh before uh Wally Phelps beats me to the fact checking, <laughs> I yeah. will uh
0: I'll Google that real quick. That completely passed me by. Like Dragon Ball Z is something that completely passed me by, and I had no clue. It was. I didn't watch that show for the first
1: time until I was in college when the shows came out on DVD. And one of my friends let me borrow season one. They're like, "You got to watch Dragon Ball Z. It's the best show ever." I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be the best show ever, but sure, I'll check it out. I mean, it's 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 got its moments. Yeah, the first episode aired for Dragon Ball Z April 26th, 1989. Holy cow. And the final episode was in January of 96.
0: So Dragon Ball Z is almost 30 years old. That's crazy. And and I think of it as like a mid-90s thing. And like, you know, I thought it was an early 2000s thing because I didn't even, I mean, I may have heard of it before then, but I don't have any memory of that. Yeah, I only have vague
1: memories of it. Like in high school, you know, there was it had its cult following, and there would be kids at school that would love it. But I, I never, I've never really
0: gotten into anime in general. But that's just me. Yeah, I've had so many people tell me, "Oh, you got to watch Dragon Ball Z. It's the greatest show." I, I'm not an anime fan, and you know, I, I'll give it a shot, but I can pretty much guarantee you, it's probably not going to capture my attention.
1: No. Let's see, moving on to 1997, on March third, Fallout was released. Um, it, Fallouts made a, uh, you know, a little bit of money in yeah, the gaming bit. industry. Um, it, it's It's one of the most popular franchises that's
0: that's out there. And I'm pretty sure this was a PC release.
1: Yes, it was. It was released um, for ms dos, Microsoft Windows, and Mac, OS, and OS X.
0: I never even heard of it until, I think, Part 2, uh, or part, maybe Part 3. When did Part 3 come out? Um, that, was, that was for the original Xbox, wasn't it? Let's see. Fallout 3.
1: I've never actually played a Fallout game before, but I know a ton of people, Like
0: almost every friend I have who plays video games loves Fallout. Yeah, I remember uh, my buddy Pete was really into Fallout 3 at the time and wanted me to play, but I just I wasn't into it at the time.
1: Fallout 3 was released in 2008 for PS3, Xbox
0: 360, yeah. and PC. Yeah, that had to have been it. And then was it Fallout 4 that just came out? Yeah, Fallout 4, and then there was Fallout 3 New Vegas. Uh, there was a bunch mm-hmm. of expansion packs for Part 3. Yeah,
1: Fallout 4 came
0: out in November of 2015, because well, I remember a, that being a huge deal back yeah, then. Yeah, it's definitely a franchise that's, uh, that can hold its own these days. For sure. Uh, on March 20th of 1997, we had Castlevania, Sympath- Sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> Castlevania Symphony of the Night released for PS1, and um, I don't know what other systems that was on. I do remember it for the PS1 because my roommate had it and I played it quite a bit but I never finished it because of course I didn't have a memory stick or a memory card
1: those damn memory cards man Yeah <laughs> Yeah that's I've I've never played any of the Castlevania games really? I didn't even know that there was a Castlevania game for the the PlayStation like, I thought that franchise stopped at like the Super Nintendo
0: oh no they they went into well into the the aughts or whatever you want to call the first decade of the 2000s or just call it 2000s um but you should definitely go back and play um all the retro castlevania games i think there was one it wasn't there simon's quest on the uh the nes classic um mm-hmm. it's A little bit different than the very first one. If you ask my opinion, the first one is still way better than Simon's Quest. Even though Simon's Quest is a good game, there's a lot of mechanics that they changed for the second one that I didn't like. Um, But go back and play the original Castlevania, and then there's Castlevania, or or, uh, Super Castlevania. I think it's Castlevania 4 it might have been, for the SNES. Let me check that just to make sure. Uh, Let's see, Castlevania... SNES so we're doing this because we don't we don't want Wally to correct us on Twitter (laughs) yeah there was Super Castlevania 4 for the SNES Um, this was one of the the best looking like one of the best looking games and soundtracks for the actual SNES I never owned this game I always rented it a lot But um, if you get a chance, pick up Super Castlevania for the SNES. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I'll be on the lookout for it. And you can review it for us. Absolutely.
1: Our last bit of this month in video game history comes to us from the year 1997. On the date of March 20th, Tekken 3 was released in arcades. Have you ever played a Tekken game before?
0: Yeah, I have, but I don't remember much. I'm going to have to look at screenshots. Let me look this up real quick. Hmm.
1: I mean, it was it was another one of those fighter games like, you know, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. I know a lot of people love Tekken. I want to say I've played Tekken 4 because it was on PS2.
0: I'll be honest, most of these games like Tekken and um what was the one? Primal Rage and all those kind of games like that. They all kind of run together for me. Because I'll yeah. be honest, I'm not a uh, fighting game fan. Never really have been. It's never really been my forte. I mean, I did like um, Street Fighter 2, which I think is still probably the best fighting game of all time, other than the first uh, Mortal Kombat. Um, but I just I didn't get into fighting games, so they kind of that was another genre that just kind of passed me by.
1: I'm that way for the most part. I, you know, I love Super Smash Bros. Mortal Kombat is still really fun to me. But overall, that's I think that's really about it. Like, if they release a new Mortal Kombat game down the line, I'll probably get it, because I think they did a new one for the 360 um, back a few years ago. It was, you know, just called Mortal Kombat, and it was very well-received. Oh, and and injustice is is pretty good too because
0: that actually has a, a good story to go along with it. Yeah, I did have Injustice and I bought the um the Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, which I think was a really good game.
1: That one I never played.
0: Yeah, they toned down the uh the blood and all that stuff a lot for it. Um you could probably find it for really cheap nowadays, but if you ever if you find it like in GameStop or whatever, It'd be cool for you to pick up, just to just to have. Yeah. Because you could probably get it for like five bucks at this point, probably. Yeah, you never know with GameStop. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Tekken,
1: like I said, I think I've only played one Tekken game, and it was very briefly. It, it has its fans, for sure, but I, I never really got into it.
0: Yeah, me neither. But you know what I you know what I am into though, Derek. You know what I'm into? What's books. That? Books. I like books. Tell me about books,
1: Derek. Oh, books are great. And actually, hopefully you the listeners like books as well because for you the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as Jason mentioned at the top of the show, they have over 180,000 books to choose from. That's at least four lifetimes, yeah. I think they have books such as you know, Lord of the Rings, Divergent uh Mass Effect, Halo, Gears of War, they have autobiographies they have anything and everything that you could want with any genre so if you're a fan of mysteries, they have mystery books i'm sure um if you're uh if you're the romantic type, they have romantic <laughs> books as well or you can listen to a Star Wars book and yes. just lose yourself in the Star Wars universe like I am with Star Wars Bloodline. I um, still haven't finished it yet, still trucking along with it, but it's, it's really good. I, I'm liking it so far.
0: Well, here's the thing about Audible. It's owned by Amazon, so if you have an Amazon account, you're already halfway there. You don't have to do any crappy signing up and all that kind of stuff. All you got to do is just go to audibletrial.com/nerdcave and you sign in with your amazon account and then you just you put the you, you look through it find out what book you want to listen to and then you go download the audible app to your phone you sync it up with it and your book is going to be there always always going to be there for you to listen to so why you're not doing this right now is is beyond me go do it
1: and it's really easy to do. All you have to do is to go to audibletrial.com/nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com/nerdcave to get your free audiobook and 30-day free trial.
0: But you know what that means right now, huh? After we read that, we go into the review for this week and guess what we're going to be reviewing.
1: Uh, Just hearing that music (laughs) takes me back to a much simpler time. Some pretty good sound for that old game, man. Yeah, I know. I forgot that it had lyrics in it. (laughs) Good stuff. This week, I will be reviewing the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers game for the Super Nintendo, also released for uh, Sega Genesis, Game Boy, Game Gear, and Sega CD. I played the Super Nintendo version myself when I was a kid, you know, I was just thinking with the new movie coming out and everyone who grew up in the 90s loves Power Rangers. I decided to go back and uh, and revisit uh, this game that I was, I loved it when I was a kid because I was into everything Power Rangers. You know, I had to have the action figures. I had to have the games. I had to have the the VHS tapes, if you remember what those are. <laughs> um, but to, to, to give some explanation about the actual game itself, um, there's not really much of a story to it. It's like really an episode of the show. You're trying to defeat Rita Repulsa. It's a side scrolling level, uh, side scrolling games such as, you know, Ninja Turtles, um, Double Dragon for the, uh, the NES. I played a little bit of it, um, earlier this week. Because I, I was able to find it at the flea market that we went to at um, a Mobile a couple of months ago. I remember that. I am disappointed to say that it does not hold up as oh. well as I thought it would. <laughs> Which is, it's disappointing. I mean, it's, it's your typical side-scroller game. The problem is, there's not much of a challenge to it. At least, you know, playing it as an adult.
0: Well, you got to think too that this game was probably aimed at younger kids at the time, and they wouldn't want to make it ridiculous like some of the other side scrollers that were way harder, you know, like uh, Final Fight and things like that.
1: Yeah, and and that's that's a very good point. Um, and I think you know this also kind of goes into—I'm I'm not necessarily a rant, but. Something about Power Rangers that I've, I've had this conversation with multiple people. I think people love the nostalgia of the Power Rangers because if you go back and watch the old show, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. If you watch it, you know, as as an adult, but you loved it as a kid because you've got teenagers who put on these cool costumes and they fight bad guys. I think, you know, it's one of those things people love the memory of the Power Rangers. Yeah. People were like, oh, I loved that show when I was a kid, or I remember going to see the movie when I was a kid. And even the, the movie doesn't hold up that great either. But, you know, it was still fun in its own way of going back and playing through it, being around, you know, the environment, seeing the characters, because even the even though they're 16-bit characters that don't have a lot of detail, they're kind of... You can see some similarities between the little gaming characters and their real-life counterparts, which I thought was kind of cool. And the the boss fights in this game, when you can actually uh, control the Megazord and you fight the giant monsters, that part is still fun. But the actual going through a level itself, because it's very repetitive. You fight through the first part of the level as you know, your normal character. Like, if you're playing as the Blue Ranger, you're just Billy. And, you know, overalls, glasses, and all. And then you run into that level's uh, boss, and then you morph. And you obviously are a little bit stronger. You have a couple of different attacks. You have your, your weapon. Each Ranger has their custom weapon. Like, the Red Ranger has a sword. The Black Ranger has an axe, so on and so forth. And then, you know, at the end of the game is when you fight the... The giant monsters, um, you know, not. I don't. Per, I don't personally think it's a terrible game, but it's another one of those that, in my opinion, doesn't really hold up. Um, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave the SNES game a score of six point five out of ten, but a unanimously negative assessment, saying it has poor animation and dull level design, and is simply way too easy for experienced players. They praised the character selection feature, but concluded that even Power Ranger fans would find the game entertaining for only a short while.
0: Hmm. Uh, like I said, maybe it was made for you know a younger audience that w- wouldn't you know they don't need to have the the difficulty ramped up, but at the same time, in the Super NES era, you know they could make games with difficulty levels and that's mm-hmm. pro- this game probably would have held up better if there was maybe a difficulty level setting on it.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. Now what's interesting is that the Genesis version and this is something we've discussed before on previous episodes how if you had a game for the Genesis and you had a game for the Super Nintendo, they wouldn't be exactly the same. Yeah, it would be different. There would be there would have little differences and the Genesis version Um, actually was quite different. Uh, It says here, The Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive version is a one-on-one competitive fighting game featuring two different game modes. A scenario mode where the player competes against a series of CPU-controlled opponents and battle mode for two players. Like most fighting games, the objective is for both players to fight each other until either one drains the vitality of the other. Each character has two basic attacks as well as a set of command-based special moves. Uh, consists of two segments the player will fight against a regular-sized monster as one of the rangers during the first segment, and after defeating the monster the first time, they will battle a giant version of the same. Initially, only the five original rangers and Megazord are available. Uh, Then they have a battle mode where the player can choose between six rangers, two zords, and one of the four monsters in two out of three matches. The Genesis version, I, I didn't know about any of this stuff. It actually... Sounds kind of better than the Super yeah. Nintendo version.
0: Well, that's how it worked out. Sometimes, I mean, you look at like the Bill, uh, Bill and Ted, uh, Beavis and ButtHead um, video games at the time. There was one for the Super Nintendo and one for the Genesis, and two completely different games. And the consensus at the time was that the Genesis version was better, and that actually was some other games too that I I can't uh, bring into my mind at this time. But that that's not you know the only uh, times that that happened.
1: Yeah. Let's see. For the Genesis version, GamePro panned the game chiefly for the one-dimensional gameplay and unbalanced difficulty. Let's see. The Game Gear version was. Let's see. It was ranked about the same. They gave it a six point two out of ten. So, uh, this game was not very well received.
0: No. Well, and and I'll be honest. At the time, you know, I I don't have much to really add to this. Review that you're doing this week because the Power Rangers were completely a- after my time. I mean, by by the mm-hmm. time this stuff really hit, I was well into high school at the time, and I was out of, you know, watching cartoons and things like that and things of this nature. Um, you know, because I was trying to be cool. You know, <laughs> I mean, a typical teenager. You know, so this the Power Rangers was completely after my time, and I, I don't think I've ever seen a single episode or or movie or I basically know nothing about the Power Rangers. I have almost zero um, experience with the Power Rangers other than, you know, I know there's five of them and they're different colors.
1: That's pretty crazy. Like I've never really talked to anybody who really has no knowledge of, of the Power Rangers, which I know you're, you're a bit older than I am. So, but that's understandable, yeah. you know. If if I were your age, I probably wouldn't have watched the Power Rangers either.
0: Yeah, but there was a lot of it people, just would have been past my time. You know, there was a lot of guys my age in high school that were into watching the Power Rangers, and they were into it, but I just had no interest, and it just seemed so cheesy and hokey to me at the time.
1: Yeah, and like I said, it's one of those things that people looking back on it—at least this is how I look at it. I when I think of the Power Rangers I associate that with just the memory of watching it. Yeah. Not the actual show itself because the show itself was it was interesting because all the fight scenes they took footage from a Japanese show that was similar in nature and they would splice it in like all the the scenes that had the rangers like as their normal selves were filmed, you know, I I assume out in LA but then they would cut in the the other show which would be them fighting the monsters and they would just dub over with the american characters voices yeah and looking back on it now like you can tell the quality difference and it bugs the shit out of me
0: <laughs> yeah i wouldn't even know because i've never seen a single episode of the show and and this kind, this era of the 90s just reminds me of things like uh, I was listening to an uh, episode of Film Sack a few weeks ago, which is a really good podcast if you ever get to listen to it. But um, they did an episode of the Ninja Turtles. Uh, There was a Ninja Turtles uh, TV show that was out like in the kind of the mid to late 90s. And I think it was called like Out of the Shell or something like that. And it was around that time that they had the uh, the the Ninja Turtles were going around the country and they would do those like live concerts. Mm-hmm. And things I remember like those, that. yeah. And like that was, you know, I was into the original Ninja Turtle cartoon series, you know, in the late eighties into the early nineties, and then And I loved the original movie, but then you know, early nineties is when they kind of started getting into the real kind of cheesy era of it, mm-hmm. and that's when it kind of left me behind. And this, the whole Power Rangers thing, like that era, like the, when I think of the Power Rangers, I think of that era of the Ninja Turtles as well. When it's like that total 90s pandering to kids kind of just cheesiness that I didn't like.
1: Yeah, people associate the Ninja Turtles with being really cheesy back at that time, but yeah. especially the first season of that cartoon
0: was really good. Yeah, the cartoon was great. I mean, even if you can still go back and watch it now and it still kinda holds up. Uh mm-hmm. you know, you can still watch it and get enjoyment out of it, but you could never go back and watch like that that live action TV show they did or some of the later movies that they did and really go, Yeah, this holds up because it's awful. I
1: love that like the original live action movie they did is still one of my favorite movies ever and, and part of that is sentimental reasons because it's the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Really? Uh, that, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was it I think I was about four five,
0: I think, because it came out did it come out in ninety or ninety one? I'm pretty sure it was it ninety. Was, yeah, it was 90. Because it came out right after Batman and, and that was like that whole you know, like I associate the original Ninja Turtles movie with Batman because they came out so close together.
1: Yeah. The first movie was great. I still, the second one is a little bit cheesier, but I still enjoy it. The third one was atrocious when they traveled (laughs) back to ancient Japan. Yeah. I I can't even get through that movie now. Well, you
0: would think that, you know, as successful as the first movie was, that you would think that the budgets would get bigger for the second and third movies, but the budgets got smaller, and they had to get cheesier and cheesier to make those movies work that's why you never got to see like you know them fighting krang and stuff like that because they just didn't have the budget for it
1: well they did in the the new movie that came out i think last year but we we won't we won't get into that (laughs) it was it was not very good see what what i would love to see is maybe in, like, three or four years, they bring back the Ninja Turtles, but they base it off of the old comic book. Yes. That I'm would be awesome. And they actually bring back, like, because the, the effects in the original movie when they had the guys in the suits, those still hold up to this yeah, day. Yeah, they do. Why not just do that?
0: I actually watched that movie a couple of months back because um, I have it on DVD, um, and I watched it, and, you know... It, It is. It does have that cheese factor to it, but it's a good kind of cheese. Like it still holds up for me. I mean, there's a few cringe worthy parts here and there where you're just like, "Oh, I wish they could go back and fix that." But you know, for what it was, it was way ahead of its time. Oh, absolutely. That was a dark movie to be a kids' movie. Mm -hmm. That should not. I I I think it was PG. That movie should have been like. (laughs) <laughs> you know, brushing way past PG-13.
1: Yeah, the rating system was different at that time. Because, like, the, there's a one of my favorite sports movies is Major League. And I think it was rated, yep. no, it was, was it rated R? It might have been rated R. I think the second one was rated PG. But there were still some moments in there I'm like, oh, this, this is like PG-13 stuff. So I, I think the rating system was just different back then than it is now.
0: Yeah, it's just kind of funny to to look at the, you know, what happened to all these properties that have been around for so long because things did get, you know, as much as I love the 90s and I love retro stuff, you know, and I I love, you know, a lot of stuff that came out in the 80s that I love, like the Ninja Turtles and, you know, all the, the Disney afternoon stuff and, and things of that nature. And even even wrestling. I mean, as fun as wrestling was in the 80s with, you know, in the Hulk Hogan, uh, you know, the like that, the, what I call the colorful era uh, mm-hmm. with like, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts and uh, the Macho Man and all those guys. And then everything in the 90s started to change and was like kind of, I don't know, things changed for the worse for me. I feel like this is why, which is why I dropped out of a lot of pop culture stuff in the 90s and got really immersed in music at the time, because I felt like music got good. And then like regular pop culture stuff, like like the things we grew up with, got really bad for a while there, that, which is why I don't think a lot of 90s movies hold up today. I mean, yeah, you still got The Matrix and things like that that hold up really well. I, I think there's only maybe a handful of 90s movies that really hold up. Number one is Jurassic Park. Number two is The Matrix. And there's a few others sprinkled here and there. I would uh, throw I, Terminator 2 on there as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Terminator 2, um, uh, In the Mouth of Madness holds up for me, but that's not a real you know, mainstream thing. But just personally, that that one holds up for me. And what would number five be? Like, what what would you say goes up there?
1: Um, i trying to think of 90s movies that would still hold up. You know, it's funny while I'm looking this up. It's funny you say that because I was just having this conversation at work the other day about what decade was better, the 80s or 90s. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, I'll, I'll give music to the 90s, but with film you've got to give it to the 80s. Oh, the 80s are going on. Oh, absolutely. Uh let's see. Looking through all of these, yeah, I see Jurassic Park. Um I don't know if I would say Big Lebowski holds up, but I do love that movie.
0: Yeah, but that's not really what I would call like a pop culture tent pole. True. You know, there's a lot of stuff like that like Cohen Brothers movies that that really do are there because they hold up because they're timeless. And mm-hmm. you can watch them at any point. It doesn't matter. Um, I think uh, well, pulp fiction, I think, holds up as far as a huge pop culture phenomenon. And I mm-hmm. don't think, and I know I'm probably gonna get a lot of flack from this, especially from uh my pop culture palette co host Wallace Phelps, I don't think Forrest Gump holds up at all. Really? I do not. It that that movie does not hold up for me visually or storytelling-wise. Interesting. I'll and need I, to go
1: back and watch it, because I haven't watched that movie in
0: years. And I'll be honest. I have held a grudge against uh, Forrest Gump ever since the, uh, the 1995 Oscars, when it beat out Pulp Fiction for Best Picture. Because, look, I don't care <laughs> what kind of film person you are, Pulp fiction is the better movie, hands down. I'm sorry, I love Tom Hanks. I, you know, I can watch his movies all day, but Pulp fiction was the better movie.
1: Yeah, that's I I don't think I disagree with
0: you on that actually. Now, maybe I'm biased because I did, you know, like I said, I hold a grudge against it because of that, but. I can't sit and watch Forrest Gump like I can Pulp Fiction. I can watch watch Pulp Fiction. As a matter of fact, I just watched it a few weeks ago and watched it all the way through, and it still holds up. Forrest Gump, I can't get 30 minutes into that movie. I'm like, eh, Pulp, I'm done. Pulp Fiction also has one of the best
1: soundtracks. Oh, yeah, I still listen
0: of. to it to this day.
1: I found it on vinyl a couple of weeks ago at a record store we have here in town, and I was like, yep, I'm getting it. <laughs> well, nice. But no... Yeah, we went on a whole like pop culture tangent, but no, that's um, to to bring it back around to um, to the Power Rangers game. If you're like a diehard fan and you love this game as a kid, you can find it for really cheap. Like I I got it at that flea market for I think like five bucks. Yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna add it to your collection for that reason, then I would say do it. But if you're just like If you're just a Super Nintendo fan, um, I would this wouldn't be one that you'd have to get. Yeah, I I would probably I'd say it scores right around the the six the six range
0: for me. A little a little above uh, where at would you consider five to be the average number? I would call five just an average game. Yeah. And
1: I, I think i give it a little bit higher than that because of the nostalgia.
0: Yeah, that always bumps it up at least a point or two.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, the the movie that's coming out this weekend. It's going to be hard for me to separate because I don't know, like, the adult in me and the, the film buff in me, I don't know if it's going to be a good movie. But then the kid in me says, I can't wait to see... Five kids in suits beat the shit
0: out of some monsters. Well, here's going to be the interesting thing is because I have no uh, no nostalgia whatsoever for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, I might actually go watch it in the theater because it actually looks kind of interesting. And we'll see what kind of reaction I'm going to get as opposed to someone like you who actually has the nostalgia factor.
1: No, for sure. No, I definitely. If you see it this weekend, let me know what you think, because, know I'll be going opening
0: night on Thursday to go see it. Okay. But this was actually a really interesting episode, and I love when we get into these discussions about pop culture stuff. And I really wish Wally could have been here to kind of delve into it with us, because I, I think this should be maybe an extra episode we should put up for the Nerd Cave Patreon people, and maybe for uh the pop culture palette Patreon people as to let's do uh, a, a Patreon only round table discussion about nineties versus eighties pop culture. Ooh, count me in, sir. I'll talk to Wally about it and see what he thinks. For sure.
1: Yeah. And we, we still need to do, uh, I need to get you and Wally back on the show on my show to do
0: some more round tables as well. And I'm sure Stephanie would like to do it, but I'm not sure if she's too as well-versed in the 80s pop culture as she is the 90s. And it would be kind of interesting to see what she really thinks about 80s pop culture as well, because I don't know if she has too much of a, an opinion about it, honestly.
1: Well, I think it's interesting because you'd have someone who is more versed in 90s, and then you have me, who is kind of a mixture in both. And then you and Wally, That'd be who are more versed in
0: 80s. Let's do that. I'll talk to those two, and um, we'll do that as maybe next month's next next monster. I <laughs> can't even talk tonight. Next month's Patreon exclusive episode. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Let's do just, that. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited. Let me know. I, I would do that right now if we could. <laughs> But uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about this week before we go? Because we're we're actually coming up on an hour. Wow, you get a, a twofer two for special this week, people. Hope you're on. Hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, well,
1: I did want to plug real quick. Um, this Tuesday on my show, the Derek Diamond Experience, I'll be interviewing legendary cartoonist Mister Guy Gilchrist, who was the original artist for the Muppets comic strip. He also drew for, as we were talking about earlier the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you just Google Guy Gilchrist Ninja Turtles, you'll be shocked at some of the the pieces that you'll see that he did.
0: You'll recognize them instantly. That's fantastic. And uh, I'll go ahead and push this too. This The last week's episode of the Pop Culture Palette um, had none other than Mr. Derek Diamond on uh, for this week's episode. I can't remember. I think it's episode 129, 130, whatever this week's episode is. Uh, just go check that out. Go download it at... Uh, uh, anywhere you get your podcasts at, at iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Overcast, you can even go to the website pcpradio.com.
1: And I was saying this, you know, before we started recording, I think that was my favorite appearance that I've ever had on your guys' show.
0: Oh, it was definitely one of my favorite episodes because it, it we talked about it afterwards. Literally, that episode went by so fast, it felt like we were talking for like five minutes and it ended up being 45 minutes long. Yeah. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely go check that out. And also, um, all the other podcasts on the Nerd Cave Network. We have this show, Nerd Cave Retro, on Mondays. Tuesday is the Derek Diamond Experience. Thursday is our wrestling podcast, Battle of the Brands. Friday, we have the Nerd Cave Podcast with Zach Dykes and Robbie Rawls. They discuss um, all types of news in. Uh, nerd and pop culture and we have of course the pop culture palette on Saturdays.
0: Yes, so go get everything at nerdcave.com Absolutely but let's go ahead and get out of here. And if you would like to go to our website, it's NerdCaveRetro.com. Uh, you can email us at NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro. And you can follow us individually on Twitter at jfantastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. And we're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And we're going to be back next week where I am going to review the Three Stooges for the original NES. And let me tell you, it's not going to be pretty. So uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. Tell them what it's about, Derek.
1: Go, go, Power Rangers. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.